This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Mark Blunden, and this is The Leader. David Bowie was a global Londoner, and his legacy lives on with a new celebration at the BFI on the South Bank, with a month-long show called The Starman and the Silver Screen. Now, the Brixton-born star has posthumously earned his estate what's reported to be about £185 million, and he joins the likes of Bruce Springsteen and Tina Turner, among the artists selling the rights to their back catalogues for hundreds of millions. But why? How does it work? And is there anything in all this for younger artists? To answer these questions and more, we're joined by the Evening Standard City Editor Oscar Williams-Groot. So, what's this huge Bowie deal all about? Warner Chapel Music have acquired the back catalogue, the publishing rights for all of Bowie's works across his career. So, all of his uh, albums and major hits, things like Changes, Ziggy Stardust, all the songs that we would know... Uh, they now are under the control of Warner Chapel Music, which is a, uh, a company associated with Warner Music, the record label. It's reported to be uh, around $250 million. And so why are these companies snapping up these music rights? They're companies that are formed to own and manage music rights. Um, so their business will just be dealing with the royalty income and the distribution and uh, management of these back catalogues, which, you know, maybe wind the clock back 30 years ago. It would have been a cottage industry. It would have been something that the music labels would, would have done just within a small department. But now it's, it's big enough that it warrants a whole company to administer it. And that's because the nature of royalties has changed. In the past, you would make most of your income as an artist from either album sales or touring or a combination of, of the two. Royalties would actually be a relatively smaller part of your income that would come from things if, you know, if it was used in a movie or if it was used in a commercial, a song that you were involved in. Nowadays, uh, people rent music they don't buy it uh, so rather than buying an album they will uh, stream it over spotify or apple music or another platform and that means you get a regular stream of royalties a small trickle of income um, now for the bigger artists you're you know people like uh, david bowie or the rolling stones or bob dylan all these sorts of people who've been selling their back catalogs 
those trickles of income are actually pretty big. Uh, and so it makes sense to have somebody to put them all together and manage them. Presumably this is more for music dinosaurs to make some money. How about younger artists? What we've seen is the activities concentrated among the older artists with bigger profiles. That's because of something uh, in the music industry called decay, which is uh, after songs are published, you get the royalty income slowly decays over a period of about 10 years. And then it tends to settle at a level where you can probably predict how much it's going to earn every year so you know for something like stevie wonder's happy birthday might be a good example a song that's relatively well known it's probably got a pretty predictable profile of how much it's going to earn each year because it's been going since the 70s and there's a good track record for something like watermelon sugar by harry styles it's a huge hit now but who knows how many people are going to be listening to it on a yearly basis in 10 years time nothing against harry styles it's just impossible to predict which means it's then very hard to value as a result. So that's why we tend to see people going for the older catalogues, because they're more predictable in terms of what they'll earn. But isn't this the ultimate sellout? In many ways, uh, you could see this as a counterpoint to the sort of streaming backlash. So there was a lot of anger for a long time about the fact that uh, streaming would only deliver a trickle of the income that you might get before from album sales. Because the benefit from album sales is if you were a band, you would typically get the lump sum of what you would earn from your music in the first year you know you you release the album and everybody who wants to buy it will probably buy it in that first year so you get a a a nice check and and then you can use that to sit back and think about what you're going to be doing for your next record and relax a little bit or invest it or whatever you want to do Uh, but then that turned into that profile was over 20 30 40 years and so it becomes very hard to make a living now, if you sell the royalties up front, you, you're actually mimicking the profile that you had with album sales. I don't think it's selling out. It's more a return to the way people were paid in the past. Although, having said all that, it's generally the older established artists who are reaping these benefits rather than the smaller, newer emerging artists. Of course, Bowie was way ahead of his time with what were dubbed Bowie Bonds back in the 90s. What can you tell us about that? That was actually a very early example of people looking at music income and trying to blend it with the worlds of high finance. David Bowie essentially, you know, he was a pioneer of investing in music. He got together with an investment bank in the 1990s and said, look, I've got a back catalogue that earns me a predictable income. Why don't I sell the rights to that income over the next 20 years and then he sold them in bonds which would pay out a sort of predictable amount or broadly predictable amount and he sold them in 1997 not only was he a pioneer he was also a genius in terms of timing because he got a big lump sum selling the bonds for these future royalties just before royalties tended to fall off a cliff because of the advent of Napster and uh, that boom in stealing music instead of buying it. So uh, really, he was very prescient. What does the future look like for new young artists? What's their future revenue stream? Back in the old days, new artists would emerge. uh, A record company would sign them. You know, the A&R man would... uh, see see them at a pub and uh, sign them up and then it was up to the record company to promote them by getting their record onto the radio and uh, 
putting it at you know the biggest clubs and those sorts of things and uh, they would actively work to try and do that uh, actually that's what a lot of m- most major record labels are doing today but with tiktok with peloton with all these sorts of things so rather than just sending it to radio one as they used to do now they'll approach tiktok and say oh we've got this up and coming artist maybe you want to feature them in a clip or is there some way we can work together on a some sort of collaboration uh, similarly with peloton uh, and also with things like netflix series or popular streaming shows with games there's all these ways of seeding music to try and get it to take off more news and features in the evening standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk that's the leader we're back on thursday at 4 p.m hi i'm lawrence delalio host of the evening standard rugby podcast brought to you in partnership with qbe business insurance the show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the champions cup will be crowned at tottenham hotspur stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.